0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. How's everybody doing? Happy New Year. You know, the only people who are in the front row here are people who really enjoy football. Green Bay. I'm all over that. So that's really awesome. So I won't try not to spit on you. You know, that's, that's, that's awesome. Hey, I just, it is so good to be here, and it's so good in this series in particular, because let me just give a little bit of, uh, you know, introduction here. This particular series is something that empowers every one of us in this room. That's something I really want you to take away from this. If you really think about it, the time when the church grew faster, more significantly than any other time was 2,000 years ago. And and as the church was emerging after Pentecost, I want you to think about this. As they went around, especially in in Greece and in Turkey and all these different kind of places, did you know they really didn't have a Bible? They didn't have a Bible to share with, with people, How in the world then could the church grow exponentially when they just didn't have a whole lot of the tools that you and I have? I'll tell you, it's what we're talking about today. The people who had been penetrated by the Spirit of God who became Christians had a testimony to tell people. And it was the, the guy who was working in the dirt and the guy who was working in the bakery and the guy who was working for the government. It didn't matter what their background was. What mattered is that God had gotten a hold of their life wherever they were, and people could identify exactly what happened to them because they had some similar backgrounds. And the church exploded. And so part of when, you know, Pastor Ryan and I, we were all talking about this series and stuff like that. This is the series to start a new year because it's for every one of us in this room because you've got a story, just like I have a story. You know, if you were to search the scriptures and you want to look for a couple of um, proof texts for this, one place you'd want to go is John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals this dude, okay? And he had been blind from birth. And the Pharisees were so ticked off because Jesus healed him, okay, that they wanted this kid to say, hey, listen, uh, whoever healed you, he was a sinner. Go ahead and say that and you'll be okay. And it says this in verse 24 and 25. That's not even on your notes here. In 24 and 25. So here's the Pharisees talking. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And this is how he answered. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that I was blind. But now I see When you tell your story You're not trying to convince anybody You're just simply saying This is where I was And this is where I am now And Jesus made the difference Now I grew up here in, in Phoenix And uh, <laughs> a happy kid I, I'm telling you I mean it was crazy, happy kid, lots of fun, lots of things, and stuff like that. In fact, you know, some of you know me, on, at least on some level, because I've been preaching off and on here for you know, a year and a half or so, and, and so you know a little bit about me. But I want you to know, I, it's just, man, what a great life. And you may be thinking to yourself, man, he can't relate because look at that. He's so happy all the time and all that kind of stuff. Probably nothing bad happened to him. Well, let me tell you. Life happens. Bad stuff happens. I came to faith as a frat guy, a college dude. But in order to tell the story, let me go back a little bit. I had this normal childhood and so on, but several things happened that I think were life-altering things. My folks got a divorce when I was just in fourth grade. And some of you come from a a divorced family. Some of you are divorced and, and, and so on. And I'll tell you, it's always hard. I don't care if it's everybody gets along. It's still hard, and there's always consequences to things like that, and there was in my life as well. My brother and I were tossed around from family to family, back and forth, and my older brother, Mike, wanted nothing to do with my dad because my dad was an alcoholic. Oh, He would never say that, but he was it was not, not good. I can remember after this divorce, meeting my dad, I was with my mom, in a restaurant at 40th Street in Indian School. I'll never forget this. He came in and he was zipped. And I was so embarrassed. I wanted to crawl under the seats. and stuff. I'll never, ever get that image out of my mind of how embarrassed I was. I just wanted him to die. I wanted him to leave. It was it, it was It was terrible. And my brother, even more than me, wanted nothing to do with him. Well, life happens, and I continued on. Went to high school. Went to Camelback, then went to Arcadia High School. Graduated with Linda Carter. Yeah, I did. She didn't know me. (laughs) But high school wasn't really happy. Because I'm as tall as I am now, about 6'2" but I weighed about 50 pounds less. I was a rail, and so I got bullied. I can remember going one time, there was a, like a snack bar. I didn't want to eat in where everybody else was because I knew I'd get picked on. So I always ate at the snack bar. And one time at the snack bar, there were all these football types, you know, no-neck guys and so on. And they, uh, I was eating a, a banana fudge sickle, and I can remember this one guy in particular came up to me and said, hey, how would you like to eat that? that popsicle, including the stick. Well, I realized then that I'm a pretty good talker. And I talked my way out of that, but I had such fear. I was so afraid. And I've often thought if somebody had come up to my rescue, I would have done anything that person said somebody would come up and say hey listen don't bother him he's my friend he's my bud and if that guy had been a Christian do you think I would have listened to that message you bet I would have but nobody was there I talked my way out of it and I got through high school but in my senior year of high school something tragic happened my only brother killed himself I don't want to bring everybody down here, but I really want you to know me so that every time I'm up here, you know, on stage and stuff, you guys really know what's really going on. I came home from school and I found him. And he had shot himself and he had shot himself and he used my gun. Talk about guilt. It was the most horrendous time in my entire life. My mom had a nervous breakdown. It was was unbelievable. And I can remember saying, God, if you're there, why would you do something like that to me? But I didn't say it like that. I screamed it. God, why would you do something like that to me? I'm I'm a good kid. I was doing all the right kind of things. There were friends of mine that were doing things that I shouldn't have done, and I didn't do them. And so why in the world would you dump on me and my family? It was horrendous. It was awful. Well, I knew I had to get away from home because my mom was just so in trouble. She kind of glommed onto me. So it turned out I got a full scholarship. I pole vaulted. I ran the decathlon, and I went to NAU. And whatever high school wasn't, college was. I was Big man on campus. There were about six of us that literally controlled NAU. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Not really, but really. It was a great. I had a great I became president of, of a group called Sophos. It was a sophomore men's honorary you know, group. And, and, and it was great. I joined a fraternity, Delta Chi, because that was the thing to do back then. And it was a crazy animal house kind of fraternity. I was going to come up here and actually smash a beer can in my forehead, but I decided not to do that. <laughs> but it was, it was keggers every weekend. I drank very heavily. I was kind of picking up for my dad. And I'm telling you, there was just this whole thing, and it was fun. And anybody ever tell you that sin's not a, a, a fun, they don't know what they're talking about. If it wasn't fun, it wouldn't be a temptation, right? I just had a blast up there, except inside of me, there was a hole. I couldn't put my finger on it, but in those more lucid times in my life, I began to talk to people about my brother. Wonder where he is. Wonder if there's a God. And all those questions began to kind of bat around in my head. Well, I became president of my fraternity. So that means I was in charge of all the parties, and I uh, happened to be in a sophomore class, um, and there were only two girls in it. <laughs> and one was a knockout, and I wanted to invite her to the party here. So I went up to her and, uh, you know, asked her out. And she said something I thought I'd never hear on a college campus. She said, "Are you a Christian?" <laughs> Here's the deal. I'm not an idiot. If it's important to this good-looking babe, then of course, I would have been blue cheese. I would have been anything. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, what do you want me to be? But part of the package is she wanted me to go to church. And she wanted me to go to a Baptist church. No, She wanted me to go to a Southern Baptist church. It was one of these churches where they don't have Chairs. I didn't know what they were called. She said, they're called pews. I said, that makes sense. <laughs> pews, I'm going to sit. In, never mind. And, and so I can remember going there. This is a true story. And, and I'm sitting in the last pew in the very back because I wanted to go out with her. And am sitting in the very back, and I got my arms folded. I'm looking around. Anybody have their arms folded? I had my arms folded like this. I was basically saying... I'm as closed as I can be. Nobody's going to penetrate me. Because I already had a stereotype of what this dude was going to be, who was going to preach. Southern Baptist, he's going to be right from the the Bible belt. He's going to have an intelligence of about two. And My major is zoology, my minor is chemistry. I've done undergraduate research in DNA synthesis. That was my whole background. I didn't want somebody to come out here with a 20-pound family Bible and beat me up with it. And so I just knew that's how he'd be, and he'd be really teethy. And, and, and he wouldn't carry a Bible like a normal person. He'd carry it under his armpit, you know, like this. I just knew it. And so I'm sitting in the very back. Lo and behold, this guy with this teethy smile. I think he was wearing like a blue leisure suit or something, you know. And he comes up, and he just smiles and he says, Hi. <laughs> I mean, the guy had to be from Alabama or something. Nothing wrong with Alabama. <laughs> and he comes up, and I just said, Every stereotype I ever had was embodied in this person. I was so closed. And then it was time for him to preach. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm just saying, it can't get worse. He opens up the Bible and he paints the most incredible picture of Jesus Christ I ever heard. In fact, I lost interest in the girl because I was so fascinated that this guy, who I thought was idiotic, could speak so clearly and so succinctly about something so important. And I absolutely had my jaw just drop. And then next week, I decided to go see him personally. I go to his office. I knock on the door. And I'm just a cocky fraternity college student dude. Knock on the door. He says, come on in. I come in and sit down. And I know I'm just kind of shining them on. I'm just going, hey, tell me about this Jesus. And he saw right through that. And this is his style. Honestly, this really, really happened. He says, listen. Jesus is who he said he is or he's not. If he is, you've got to deal with that man. But if he's not, we're all idiots. Now get out of my office. That's my new evangelism technique. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, you know. What do you think that did to me? Did it turn me off? It didn't. I was fascinated that somebody had so much confidence in what he believed and why he believed it that I almost immediately went out to a bookstore and bought a Bible. Now, back then, they had paper Bibles. I know, it's history. And, and so I went and got one at a Christian Bible bookstore in Flagstaff. <laughs> and, and my girlfriend now, who became my wife, Janet. Uh, uh? Tomorrow we celebrate our anniversary 47 years. Huh? Okay. Is that right? I got married when I was three. It's kind of a but but seriously, so I get this Bible and she, she hauls me off to a Bible study. And and and, and this is so cool. And, and, and it's, it's in a New Testament book. I think it's the book of James. She's going to be here at the second service. I'll ask her, but I think it was the book of James. So we're in this small Bible study. And I didn't know where James is, first of all. But I also didn't know that in this particular Bible, they had a table of contents for the Old Testament. And then in the middle, they had one for the New Testament. So I'm looking in the Old Testament for a New Testament book. And I'm trying to be cool. And I'm looking at it, looking, looking, and it's not there. I thought, I just got ripped off in a Christian <laughs> bookstore. I mean, how bad is that, you know? You know, she and she pointed me in the right direction. So we started, you know, doing that and stuff. That next Sunday, or two Sundays later, I ended up going back to church. And it was time for an invitation to come to know Christ. And I prayed a prayer and I call it my shotgun prayer. Kind of spread out and touch all the bases with God. You know, the other side, I side, you know. I said, God, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. I, I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know that if like a movie like Jesus of Nazareth was on TV, i I'd get all teary-eyed. And I knew a little bit about Jesus, but I, I, I just don't know. If I am a Christian, Lord, forgive me for my life and my lifestyle right now. Get me back on track. But... If I've never asked you to be my Lord, my Savior, right here, right now, and this was February of 1971, then right now I want you to come in my life. And I just got to tell you guys, it happened. I'm telling you, it happened. My life was different. I mean, I was still crazy. I was still wild man. I was still all those kinds of things that made me unique in who I am. But now I knew certain things had happened in my life that would forever change me. So very, very briefly, I want to share some of those things that I learned almost from day one. As Pastor Ryan said, you know, Bob, share some life lessons from that Moment. And so let me give them to you. From that moment, one of the things that really made a difference it, is this. And by the way, these life lessons to this day still drive me. And no matter where you are in your walk with God, and where your journey is, you're, you're before you've actually crossed the line, you're in the middle of that, or, or you've crossed the line and you're following Jesus for a whole long time, wherever you are. This is what my life lesson were. Number one, that God provides for you. The moment of salvation, he provides. And I need to be reminded of that because I live in a world right now where I'm constantly bombarded with this idea that you don't have enough. You, don't, you, know, you need more. And I was reminded almost from day one that God provides for me on this journey. And he does it in a whole lot of different ways, but I'll give you some words that you can jot down. One of them is, and I knew this right off the bat, is capsulized with the word pardon. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt from that moment on, if I got hit by a truck, I knew that I was forgiven. This forgiveness thing, this pardon, is absolutely amazing. It's even hard to describe how, how I felt. I felt like there was this weight on me, this weight of a lifestyle that just really sucked. My, because I was on a scholarship, my grades had to be good. But that didn't stop me from drinking every weekend. And, and I knew that was counterproductive. But for me, it seemed like all of those bad decisions that I had made, God somehow in some way just just lifted them. I, I, I this is bad preaching. I can't tell you just how it's like. I could take a breath again. Oh my! I'm not making this up. I am not. I just felt like oh. So this is what freedom feels like it it was, it was just it was amazing the the big things that i'd done the hurtful things that i did when i asked forgiveness to come before god i just felt like he he took them i found out later that when he talks about our sin as a believer, he says he takes your sin and he dumps it in the deepest lake, never to be fished up again. He says that it's separated as far as the east is from the west. That is hyperbole to tell you you'll never see it again. It's almost as though when you and I stand before God and, and you were to say, hey, hey, Jesus, do you remember that one thing I did, you know, in December 1999? Do you remember that? That he would say to you, No. I don't remember that because it's forgiven. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I just there's that sense. You wonder why I'm so passionate about telling people about Christ because I want everybody to experience this in their own capacity in their own way in their own personality. I was pardoned. And I knew that immediately. Because I'm a, a good preacher here They all start with P underneath this here too The, the next thing that I experienced But it was immediate Was peace Now now here's, here's the deal Like I said Because of the forgiveness I knew I had peace with God It was like, okay, I don't have to do anything else I'm in, thank you, I'm in you know, you know I, I, I've got the t-shirt now I knew that I was At peace with God Which is a huge thing but it didn't stop there. I also know that I was at peace with other people. Because of my family background, there was enmity, there was strife, there was difficulty. We're all broken, aren't we? And because of that, and some of you just came out of Christmas, and, and, and what's the standard question? Hey, how was your Christmas? And inevitably, every one of us in this room, hey, it was great. But for some of you, you wouldn't say it. But it wasn't really great. It was hard. And what made it hard was not Christmas. What made it hard were the relationships that are sometimes strained at this time. I knew immediately that somehow something was different in terms of the relationships. The book of Romans is amazing. And in Romans, Paul is talking, and he alludes and actually talks about the temple in Romans. And he talks about the fact that the dividing wall between us and God has been broken down. And the thing that I love about this is he was alluding to the temple itself that had a dividing wall for the Gentiles on one side that could never go any further to the place where all the Jews were. And what Jesus has done is he broke this wall. So now, because of Christ, we have everything in common. We have peace. I got peace with someone I don't even like very much. And I'm still at peace. I've got to tell you one quick story. There's no way we're going to get through all this, so please forgive me in advance. But I've got to tell you about this. You know why I'm in ministry? It's because of a dude named Jim Volpe. Jim Volpe was one of those football types, you know, from here to here. You know, he was a, he was a linebacker, but he was called, this <laughs> is great, he was called the animal up at NAU. And back in those days, they didn't have a dome played football out, outside. And the reason he got that 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 name is because often there'd be snow and they'd leave out snow shovels to shovel off the stadium, okay, so that people could watch the game. Some guy was heckling Jim Volpe, this big old, I think it was a linebacker, big old dude. And so he gets up, he was actually penalized a couple of games. He gets up, goes off the field, takes a snow shovel and hits a guy in the head. That's my kind of guy. No, no, not really. Okay. He was called the animal. Nobody liked him. Nobody liked Jim Volpe. Well, I'd I'd crossed the line. I'd become a Christian. And I found myself in a Bible study weeks and weeks and weeks later. And who shows up but Jim Volpe? And this dude that nobody likes had given his life to Christ. I'm just going to tell you the honest to goodness truth. After that Bible study, I didn't even talk to him. still didn't like him. I went outside. And if you've ever been to, the address is 123 South Beaver Street. There's a church there. It's called Flagstaff Christian Fellowship. It used to be called First Baptist. And it's made out of lava rock, if you've ever seen it. okay, Very rough. I can remember sitting or standing next to this building and sliding down feeling the rocks on my back into a pile on the ground. And I said, God, if you can do that with someone like Jim Volpe, I want in. I want to do that. I want to be part of seeing those kinds of things happen. Because now I know, because of Jesus, I had peace with a dude that nobody loves. That's what God can do for you. I'm telling you, this is not preacher talk. This is really it. This is the deal. But there's peace also that happens. And I know some of you will identify with this. When you're lying in bed and your brain is going 90 miles an hour. You're thinking through every conversation that you had that day or a conversation that you're going to have. You're living in fear or dread or whatever it might be and you can't even sleep. And I just got to tell you and give a real witness to this. I had peace with myself. Jesus can do that. I had peace with God, I had peace with others, and I had peace with myself, and it was powerful. And I believe that people that you rub shoulders with every day are looking for it. And you got the answer. You do. And I don't care if you stammer out the answer or you're eloquent. You've got the answer. And it's Jesus. Well, there's another P. Like I said, these notes are going to be so whacked. I also experienced power. Now, I'm not talking about Superman power. I'm not talking about the Flash I'm not talking about your, your favorite superhero power. I'm talking about power that is sustaining, sustaining in life. And I think everybody really wants that, don't they? Doesn't everybody want to have the power to really live life in, a, in, a, in an effective way and so on? But here's the picture that I, uh, that I had. The picture is simply like, it, it, you ever had these stand-up lamps, you know? You know maybe they, they've got a, you know, one of those real bright lights, you know, like that. And you go to that thing, say, I gotta turn that thing on. And you keep on turning the switch and you, nothing, nothing's going on. And then you recognize the thing isn't even plugged in. When I came to know Jesus, I got plugged in. Now here's the deal. You still gotta turn the switch. You still have to grow, you still have to ask, you still have to come into that 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 daily kind of relationship. But before Jesus, it didn't matter what I did here, because I wasn't plugged in to the power source. Jesus put it this way in Acts. He says, But you will receive what is it? Well that was that was like a golf clap. <laughs> you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth man check it out but if I can be so bold there was something else and this one is really really good the last P is purpose purpose I don't know if it's just college or or what but it's my feeling that most people in this world need a compass they do and if they get hooked up with the wrong people then they got the wrong compass a few weeks ago I'm going to Peru here next week but a few weeks ago I just came from El Salvador Janet and I were down there in El Salvador and uh, I, I preached in about five different churches. I, I did a, uh, a six-hour seminar on soteriology and salvation, all that kind of stuff with all sorts of pastors all over El Salvador. It was, it was, it was great. But on a Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I was asked to speak at, a, at one of the churches there, and it was great. I mean, it was a neat you know, kind of opportunity, and that things were being translated and so on. And, and I noticed this young couple in the very back, and uh, you know they, you know, kind of, you know, had a baby, and they're, you know, kind of jiggling the baby or shaking or whatever they're doing with the baby, and uh, um, you know, just you know, afterward I shook his hand. It was really nice. What a nice guy! And I noticed there were a bunch of people outside that were watching this guy. You know, good-looking guy, and they're watching him. Didn't talk to him, but they're watching him. So when I was all done. One of the pastors came up to me and said, "Uh, do you know who that guy was? I said, no, I don't don't know who that guy is. That guy's a former member of MS-13 gang. And interestingly enough, the head of all of El Salvador and most of Central America for MS-13 gang is in this house adjacent to the church. He told me there's only two ways you can get out of MS-13. You're executed. Or you start going to church. And the people out there watching him were making sure that he was going to church. Pastor Ellis, we're going to use that as our method of keeping people in (laughs) church from now on. (laughs) I love that. This young man articulated the fact that when he was in the gang he had a certain purpose it was to do the bidding of the other gang members you see everybody needs to have purpose it's just really important that we have the right compass on what we're doing I'm absolutely convinced that Jesus is the right compass. And if you at all fear repercussion or consequences of sharing your little three-minute testimony with someone, don't, please. Because I'm absolutely convinced that every human being has a hole in their life that can only be filled with Jesus. It says that in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's this, this eternity is set in everybody's heart. And everybody needs what you have. Now for those of you who are anal retentive and you need to fill in those other blanks, we're not going to go into them, but the second thing that God really spoke to me about when I first came to know Jesus was that he prepares me. For every purpose. Every purpose. And I'll just simply say this, and I'm going to close with this one. My brother committed suicide. I found him. It was awful. He had been dead for hours and hours. I didn't know what to do. I'm a high school kid. I gave him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, but he had already been dead. I came to know Christ, got involved in ministry, and you would be surprised how many people Either struggled with a suicide that happened in their family, or they themselves are contemplating that ultimate thing. Well, as you guys know, I live in Anthem, and I, I'm a pretty outgoing dude. And about 10 o'clock at night, this was years ago, the manager of Del Taco, who knows me, calls me up. He says, "Hey Bob, can you make your way over here right now?" What's up, man? Aren't you closed? I can't tell you very much more, but you need to be here right now. So I get in the car and I drive over to Del Taco. Manager is there, and inside is a police officer who has his service revolver out and is threatening suicide because his wife just left him. He said, I could call the police. (laughs) but that guy will never work again. But I knew you. Do you think you could talk to him? (laughs) Really bad to sit down with someone who has a gun in their hand and you're sitting across the table. The manager locked the doors. Nobody else came in. And we just talked. I related my story of my brother. And then I told him about Jesus. Jesus. They were going to get emotional. I said, ah. And that guy, right then and there, gave his heart, his life to Jesus. He continued for lots of years on the police department. He's remarried. He just retired. And I look back at that, that God takes whatever crapola that you've had to go through. Use it for good. That doesn't say that it is good, but he can use it for good, for his glory. He prepares you, just like he prepared me. And for those that have to fill in the blank, (laughs) the last one is that he's enough. And it really ties it all together because he is enough. It's Jesus plus nothing. And he indeed can do for you what he's done for me and what he's done for every other follower of Jesus for 2,000 years. So here's the deal. And I'm going to invite Josh, you know, and the team to come up. Here's the deal. I'm not going to be an idiot because you may be that person like me with his arms folded in the back. And you just got surprised today because God spoke to your heart. And if you've never crossed that line, or you're just not sure if you really are a Christ follower in the way the Bible describes it, then I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. Okay? No big fanfare. Nobody's looking around. But would you pray with me right now? And if what I'm praying is reflecting what's going on in your heart, then in your heart and mind, I'd like you to pray it with me. And when it's all over, and Josh and the team are done singing and, and, and all of that, then I want you to find one of the pastors. Find Pastor Josh or Pastor Ellis or, or anyone here that, that looks like they, they, they look official. disregard (laughs) that and and just simply say I prayed that with Bob because it's one thing to say it in your head and your mind to God but when you cross that line it's something else when you say it to someone else would you do that let's pray well Lord what can we say except you were awesome we love you thank you thank you just for the fact that you save regardless of us our background it is your desire and so right here, right now I wonder if there's one person who might pray this with me dear Jesus, come into my life I've blown it I've been apart from you but I want in I need that relationship with you I need that purpose that power, that that passion for following you and I need to sense that pardon that takes the weight off my shoulders. So right now, I transfer my trust from myself to you. And I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. All right? bless you. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.